The following program is for adult audiences only. Stephen Lancaster's Ghost Story is proudly sponsored by the Shadow Initiative Paranormal Talk Podcast. What you are about to hear is a true case file from paranormal investigator Stephen Lancaster. Even after over 24 years in the field of paranormal research, I had never subscribed to the idea of haunted objects. The idea itself seemed too far out there, even for me, but all it took was visiting an old antique shop in Wallace, North Carolina at just the right time and ultimately acquiring a very unique doll that just had to be haunted. North Carolina was supposed to be just a few months stop for me during my paranormal journey. However, that turned into nearly nine years residing in the state. My fiance and I settled down the best we could in a small town. It would be there we would experience our own haunt through the most unlikeliest of things. One of our pastimes is collecting old and rare artifacts, so it is nothing for us to spend a weekend out antique shopping. One of the locations we visited had a very unique wooden box that caught my eye. It was an odd situation. The old box was sitting on an antique high chair. It was like the box itself was acting as an infant to the chair. A few moments later, I would realize why. The box arose curiosity in both Christina and myself. She was instantly curious as to what could possibly be inside. It was intriguing to me to discover that the lock on the box had been removed. It was obvious that whoever had done that wanted to prevent anybody from getting it open. I pulled the box down and immediately tried to get it open. It wasn't going to open very easily, so I used a pocket knife to pry the warped wooden door open. To our surprise, a dirty vintage doll was laying inside. He had an interesting quality to him. He was both cute and ugly at the same time. Christina fell in love with him instantly. She collects old dolls and the one we just discovered was right up her alley. We both agreed to approach the clerks at the counter to see if he was even for sale. Since he was locked away and out of place, we weren't even sure the old ladies running the joint even knew he was there. Interestingly enough, when we approached the counter, the old ladies knew exactly what we had. They were reluctant at first to even talk about the doll, let alone sell him to me. I remained persistent and intent on buying that doll. One of the old ladies finally broke up the awkwardness between all of us and told the story of how the shop acquired the doll in the first place. Before beginning the story, she made it clear that wherever the doll went, sadness would follow. I thought to myself, what an interesting way to begin a story. She grabbed me right from her first sentence. She told us that back in the 1960s, a young lady was to give birth to twins, and the doll had been given to her as a congratulations gift. 
Unfortunately, during the childbirth, the male baby was delivered stillborn. The girl twin was born without complications, however, but the mother lost her son-to-be right from the start. The mother returned home from the hospital with her new daughter and the new doll. Years later, tragedy would strike again and the young mother would be killed in a house fire. The surviving daughter would grow and keep the doll throughout the years. Nearly 50 years later, she would donate this doll to the very antique shop we were standing in. The old woman continued by telling us that the doll was delivered, locked away in the box I had initially taken off the shelf from on top that high chair. She said they placed it up there out of sight and out of mind. The girl who had donated the doll was never seen in the store again. I immediately had a million questions dancing through my head, but the old woman at the counter could not answer a single one. They had told me all they knew. As a lifelong paranormal researcher, their story didn't scare me away. In fact, it made the discovery of the doll more enticing and mysterious. I think in a way, the clerks at the shop were relieved to see somebody wanted to take it off of their hands. So, ultimately, they sold him to us. The old ladies wouldn't confirm or deny anything strange had happened at the antique shop since they acquired the doll. But I could tell silence was holding back more than they were leading on. I didn't realize it at the time, but the last thing the old woman said to me was, be careful. In present day, I know exactly what she was getting at when she said that. Christina and I returned home with a new antique acquisition, and I instantly began researching the origin of the toy itself. My research uncovered that the doll was originally called Maddie and acted as a mascot in the early 1960s for the Mattel Toy Corporation. But to make him truly ours, we wanted to name the doll ourselves. I looked at Christina, and the name Norman just came out. He didn't look like your typical, normal doll to me, and he had such an interesting backstory that was, that was also beyond the norm. To me, he was nor man, nor toy. So out came Norman. It didn't take long after we brought Norman into our house for bizarre and strange things to start occurring. A few nights after we had brought Norman into our home, we received an unexpected guest at four in the morning. Only the unexpected guest wasn't actually there. Both Christina and I were sound asleep at the moment. I awoke suddenly to somebody or something violently pounding on our front door. Three very loud and intense knocks like somebody was hammering the front door with their fist. This repeated over and over. Christina woke up as well, and we were both perplexed as to who would be at our front door at such an hour, let alone why would they be there. I slowly crept down the stairs to where I could see the front door. The knocking stopped completely. I opened the door to see nothing but the blanket of the night covering the neighborhood. There was nobody in sight and no logical explanation as to who or what was making the loud sounds. The next day, I immediately ordered a multi-camera surveillance system for our home. We were already weary of our neighbors and his constant legal trouble, so uninvited guests in the middle of the night only added to our anxiety. I wasn't thinking we were being haunted at the moment. In fact, every bit of my thinking was staying in the realm of logic. In my mind, somebody was either pulling a prank at the front door that night, or even worse, was planning on breaking in. So getting a surveillance system to monitor the house was a good peace of mind. I, it had only been a few days since the front door incident when my stepdaughter Hannah had a scary experience of her own. 
She was taking a shower in her bathroom one evening when something out of the ordinary took place. Christina and I were outside spending time in the yard when all of a sudden Hannah screamed from inside the house. Before we could even really react, she came busting out the front door wearing nothing but a towel, and she was drowning in her own tears. We immediately asked her what had happened. She said while she was in the shower, she kept hearing what sounded like the doorknob to her bathroom door turning. At first, she thought nothing of it. But then, out of nowhere, a dark figure walked past her shower door and she let out that fearful scream. She flew out of the shower to reveal absolutely nobody standing in her bathroom. At first, she thought that maybe Christina had come into the bathroom to grab something, but we had been outside. Hannah was the only person in the house at the time. Of course, Hannah was very shaken up by this, and we were too. We scoured the house to ensure her that nobody was there. We found nothing, but Hannah was convinced that a tall, male-looking figure had just been outside her shower stall. Unfortunately for us, the surveillance had not been set up in that area out of respect for Hannah's privacy, so we had nothing but Hannah's testimony to go by. But Christina did believe her. She had never seen Hannah so intent about something before. That wouldn't be the only time Hannah would have such a frightening, unexplainable experience in her house. Well, until the dark hours of that evening, something would haunt her again. We were all in the bed fast asleep, but something was very much awake in my stepdaughter's room. Christina and I were awoke by yet another blood-curdling scream from Hannah. This time, we shut up out of bed and ran directly to her bedroom. We found a distraught, tearful, and absolutely petrified 15-year-old girl violently shaking from absolute fear. It took a moment to calm her down where her speech was coherent enough to understand. She told us she had been awakened by something tugging on the lower half of her bed. It started out in a subtle fashion and then quickly turned to violent pulls of her blankets. Hannah said she was frozen in fear. She could not move as she watched an invisible force make its way up the bed towards her. She told us she could actually see indentions being made in the blankets as it moved across the bed. Whatever it was could not be seen but had weight to it. It had energy. Hannah said the force was nearly up to her chest when she broke free of this paralysis she was suffering from and was able to scream at the top of her lungs. Following the scream, whatever it was, went away. It just disappeared in the thin air like nothing was ever there to begin with. I, of course, asked Hannah if she could have been dreaming and maybe the experience she had in the bathroom had her brain on a paranoid overload. She assured both my fiancé and myself that she was not alone in that room and wasn't dreaming. I tried reassuring Hannah by telling her that her mother and soon-to-be stepfather were veteran paranormal researchers. I assured her that we would get to the bottom of her haunting mystery. It was almost as if the entity now haunting our house knew when and where it could be without being detected by our newly set up camera system. Hannah's bedroom was yet another area not caught by the surveillance. At this point, there was no denying that something had taken over our home and it just happened to coincide and begin with us bringing that horrible doll home. Finally, our surveillance system would give me beyond a shadow of a doubt the proof we needed to say without question that Norman the doll was haunted. 
He was, in fact, the source of our newfound haunting. A few days later, I was babysitting my grandchildren. They hung out in my bedroom playing on their portable gaming systems and watching television while I worked on the computer. I spent my days logging my paranormal case files, and this time I was typing up our own. Something out of the ordinary had been taking place in our home, so I wanted to be sure to document as much of it as possible while it was still fresh on my mind. That day delivered a crucial piece of evidence in favor of not only paranormal occurrences, but Norman the doll actually being haunted. I was facing my computer with the back to my bed. My grandson was on the bed facing the television. My granddaughter was sitting in a chair to my right playing on one of her portable gaming systems. Norman the doll was sitting on the pillows at the top of the bed. I had him relatively close to me just so I could keep an eye on things. We had yet to truly solidify the notion of him being haunted, but I figured the closer he was to me, the better off I'd be if something happened, as far as documentation was concerned. Christina and I had no issue having a surveillance camera monitor our bedroom. After all, we were going to be the only ones to ever review the footage anyway. I was busy writing away while my grandchildren remained entertained. Little did I know one of the most captivating things I had ever seen in my life was taking place right behind me, and at the time, I had no clue. My granddaughter screamed out my name and claimed that Norman the doll had moved on his own. Obviously, at first, I didn't believe her, but I thought, hey, wait a minute, I have surveillance running, it's documenting everything, so curiosity got the better of me, and I'm glad it did. I reviewed the surveillance footage at the moment my granddaughter had complained the doll had moved. Cold chills took over my entire body as I watched the doll turn his head to look at me, then turn his head to look at my grandson. Then he did the unthinkable and frankly impossible. He looked down. This doll is not designed to look up or down. In fact, you can't even make the doll physically do that. But in this case, he did. In the video, his eyes were completely blacked out as well, as if some dark spirit had completely taken control of him. In the video, I could see my grandson turn his head around as he literally watched Norman do all of this. Then my grandson turned back around and kept watching TV like nothing ever happened. I watched that clip over and over in total disbelief. If I had not seen that with my own two eyes, I certainly would not have believed it. Here I was standing next to a truly haunted doll and my video cameras caught every bit of it. I contacted Christina and told her what had transpired moments earlier. She too was in total disbelief. It wasn't until she saw the video for herself that she shared in the same conclusion I did. We had a haunted doll in our house. That piece of footage would mark the beginning of my obsession in further documenting the doll and its strange activity. The haunting of our house by Norman the doll would go on for years spanning from 2016 until 2019. During that time, we documented an uncanny amount of experiences that validated his true existence. More and more started making sense. At the time of Hannah's birth, she too was supposed to be one of twins with the other being a boy. Like the origin story, my fiancé lost her boy during birth while Hannah lived to grow up and now we had the doll.
A lot has happened concerning the doll over the years, and what I just spoke to you was one fraction of what we've experienced with him. It was the beginning, so to speak, and tame in comparison to the onslaught and fearfulness my family would later experience. In 2018, I released the book, Norman, The Doll That Needed to Be Locked Away. That book chronicled our first two years living with the possessed doll. There is just that much to know about Norman and years worth of experiences to convey. That's why I wrote it in a book. Our personal haunting exploded in popularity with inquisition and intrigue. There is so much to see out there concerning him. In 2019, the Travel Channel's A Haunting covered our initial story and brought our first couple of experiences with him to life for television in an episode called Norman the Doll. Of course, they only covered like 25%. They covered a fraction of the actual story as now there is a second book, Norman 2. We have chronicled years of the haunting that is derived from Norman the Doll. 20 years ago, I never would have thought what people are now calling the world's most haunted doll would have been discovered right here in North Carolina, and I certainly would not have thought we would be the sole owners of him. I've seen some shit in my day, and I'm going to tell you all about it. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review. Please follow us on Facebook and subscribe via iTunes. Join Stephen on Facebook at facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative. That's facebook.com slash welcome to the initiative.